This is a Rooster Teeth production. February 21st, 1944. As the sun set on the invasion of Iwo Jima, a squadron of Japanese pilots approached the horizon. By morning, over 40 planes were lost, and the last U.S. aircraft carrier to be sunk by enemy action lay at the bottom of the sea. Ooh. Pretty okay. neat. Oh yeah. This is a treat, this one. Yeah. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. You sounded kind of Australian there. It was like a welcome. Well, welcome. Uh, ahoy welcome. and welcome aboard Ship Hits yeah. the Fan. Have we done an Australian? We did one Australian Yeah, Batavia or yeah. Batavia. We gotta get back Two, to We did it. a couple actually We gotta on the check continent. in with them again. Well, Folks, yeah. uh, if you're in Australia... <laughs> Or send New us Zealand. Your, send us no. Send us your most notable wow. shipwrecks. No, we're not interested. In Actually, New I, no. But I do have an Australian friend that has sent me notable shipwrecks. I can't remember now, but there's a specific area that has claimed many ships. Well, if it's a friend, it's a conflict of interest. So if you don't know us, okay, a, a climbing partner, or we're simply acquaintances, yeah, and you wouldn't consider us friends, it's not. Please a, send us Australian. May I finish? Please send us <laughs> apology Austra- accepted Australian shipwrecks. <laughs> It's a, it's a, there's one that's got like trees on it. Tweet at us the shipwreck with the trees on it. You've seen it. It's one, it's like one of those things. Oh, hey, but before you tweet at us and say, hey, here's a cool one, do your research. Make sure there's enough to fill out, you know, an episode. Yeah, because our episodes have been short lately. We don't need honorable mentions from you guys. What we need is hard hitting full episode topics that can go upwards of 38 minutes. And if you don't mind doing the research also, that would be a huge help for us. Yeah, and and it would be awesome if you could actually just send us an audio file of you reading off what you've written. And then we can manipulate that to sound like us. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. we're just filters. Yeah, just some EQing gets you, Patrick. Yep. And a little bit of uh, added white noise gets you Charlotte. That's right. <laughs> I want to talk about the Bismarck Sea. Okay. What they called me in high school. It's, I don't, I don't <laughs> it's my initial. It's Charlotte. Anyway. What? We center today's entry on the fatal escapades of an aircraft carrier named for a naval engagement of epic proportions and magnitude. Mm. Invoking a name linked to greatness speaks to us. My own name is derived from that of kings, but made for a woman. Mm. Patrick from a snake or saint. I don't remember. Uh, Uh. They're linked somehow in my mind. Uh Anyway, in keeping with the spirit of that subject, I've decided to adopt the practice and name our project for a legendary predecessor. Anyway, you're listening to Serial. No, we're going to get sued for that. Okay. You are listening to Comedy Bang Bang. Still... Still lawsuit territory, but I feel like they'd be less litigious. Probably less so, yeah. yeah. You're listening to... Bismarck. Serial season two. Capital of North Dakota. You spend much time there? I've not been. I've been... I've actually spent a fair amount of time in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, maybe one of the most landlocked places in the continent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shy of, like, the great north. Yeah, very yeah. flat. Very flat. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about... Something else. The -hmm. ship that would become the Bismarck Sea began construction on June 18th, 1942 under the name Alicula Bay. It was built by the Kaiser Shipbuilding Company in Vancouver, Washington under a Maritime Commission contract. Since the attack on Pearl Harbor, American production of ships had increased exponentially. Not surprising. Mm -hmm. Not only were we building more and more ships, but we were building the biggest ships we could. Yeah. Make them big, they said. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These ships need to be bigger. Anyway, this included a series of aircraft carriers designated as 
Casablanca class escorts. Casablanca. Casablanca. Whatever you want. Casablanca. Fill it out. This class encompasses nearly all aircraft carriers built at the same time, and they have a few unique features. You should have said, um, say it again, Sam, when I when say I say it, it again. That's kind of like Casa, Casablanca. Yeah. Casablanca. Sure. <laughs> For starters, the Casablanca class were the first aircraft carriers designed to be mass-produced in prefabricated pieces. This was done to rapidly replace a number of carriers that had already been lost in World War II. They need them quick. And they need them big. The U.S. had a robust navy compared to other countries, but many of the ships were either left over from World War I or were merchant vessels that had been repurposed to meet the demands of war. But the reality was we needed warships and we needed them immediately. Yeah. Side note, I just found out that my, my great uncle or maybe great great uncle perished as a merchant marine in World War II. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, my mom told me all about it, and then I said, wow, I didn't know I had a family member that died in World War II, and she was like, well, no, he died because of a German U-boat during World War II. Like what? It feels like semantics. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's not even like an accident. That, that, that know, seems, that seems like a that, wartime casualty. That counts, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. During this time, the U.S. built 143 aircraft carriers, and the Casablanca class accounts for a third of them. Oof. These ships were designed with limited armor to keep them light and allow them to support a large hangar deck and a wide array of smaller planes. Yeah. Just don't, if I'm on stationed on that ship, just don't tell me it's designed with less armor. Yeah. I don't need to <laughs> don't, know. No, I'm yeah. not going to be able to eyeball that. Yeah. If you close your eyes and imagine an aircraft carrier, that, that's what this looks like. <laughs> Thank you. Just adding context. Yeah, right. For our no. Fans. <laughs> the Kaiser Shipyard was built the same year construction began on these carriers. It was made specifically for wartime shipbuilding. So, uh, if you're wondering what a Kaiser Shipyard looks like, just picture a Kaiser Shipyard in your head. And that's pretty. That's it looks it. like that, just yeah. about. Yeah. Originally, the plan was for the shipyard to attach prefabricated sections of armor plating to existing ships. But given the size of the yard and the efficiency with which they had completed the construction of a fleet of Liberty-class cargo ships, they were given the contract for the Casablanca class. Yeah, they were good at it. Yeah, and what do you do for people that are good at it? You give them contracts for Casablanca-class warships. Aircraft carriers, that's yeah. right. Using plans based off existing carriers, the Kaiser Shipbuilding Company and other factories were given a set of standardized building specs. It's like Legos. It's just like Legos, or Levittown. <laughs> they would build sections in bulk and then assemble them to create a replicable aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. This has pros and cons. On the upside, it allowed the U.S. to assemble an intimidating fleet of aircraft carriers in only two years. But on the other hand, this meant all the ships shared identical weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, you know, you switch it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they have so that, different weaknesses. Yeah, when you get torpedoed in this spot, they yeah. aren't just like, oh, well, they that all means buckle. that every single one of these ships will sink if right. we torpedo it in this spot. Maybe this one has, you know, faulty ballast tanks, and maybe this one has a drunk captain. Like, sure, yeah. We should have different shortcomings exactly. to make it interesting. But, you know. That's why Superman is like one of the most, you know, least interesting superheroes. Because he doesn't have identical weaknesses to all other heroes. To all other Superman. <laughs> the Elikil, I guess they're all, all Kryptonians. Yeah, all Kryptonite. Are, yeah, 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 yeah. All Kryptonians are susceptible to, to that Kryptonite's so, effect. As far as I know. Yeah, that makes sense. The Alicula Bay and her sister ships were 512 feet and three inches long. How many Priuses is that? 
I am the wrong person to ask. Are you? I guess. Well, what what's what is um? I'm just gonna do some quick back of the net. Well, hang on. Let me ask you this: At her widest point, how many Priuses long was she? Um, Would you say it was maybe four and a half Toyota Priuses <laughs> from her widest point? I mean, that's got to be what eight, nine feet. How long is a Prius? Yeah. We've been over this. <laughs> I just can't believe that a Toyota Prius is 15 feet long. It doesn't make sense. Wasn't it more than that? No, okay. it wasn't more than Never that. Never mind. Anyway, yeah, it was about a one and a half football fields long and at her widest point, 65 feet and two inches or four and a half Toyota Priuses. I, I do understand what you're saying because I'm picturing four and a half Toyota Priuses and I've seen aircraft carriers. That doesn't make sense. And there's does no it? way. There's no way. This is also World War II. People yeah. were smaller. But a Prius is, I mean, those things are huge. Aircraft carriers are massive. Well, it says she was 65 feet across. Yeah. Four and a half times 15. I know. Gives you I know. about 67 and a half. I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> Well, to a lot of people, I'm just Patrick, saying it doesn't make sense I'm just, in my head. Well, it's not, it doesn't need to make sense in your head because okay. it just needs to make sense on paper. Sure. And you are right. This is actually kind of short by aircraft carrier standards. Oh, okay. Short well, king. I wasn't concerned the with the safe. shortness. I was concerned with the weight. Okay. Well, her widest point. All around, relatively small. And you know, I'm always interested in her widest point. <laughs> Come on, give me some. <laughs> I think I can I think I can pull your mind out of this muck that you found it in by talking about an aircraft catapult. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Give her a shot. Patrick's yeah. eyes just Let's got four times wider. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. So because the ship was short, you know, let's leave her widest point behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which maybe her behind is her large widest point. I think you know? so. Yeah, that yeah. was the joke. Come on, we made what's up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I'm just imagine a behind. Just keep keep. <laughs> you pulled me off track. No, 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 I didn't. Yeah, okay. It was a short aircraft carrier. That's okay. what I'm getting at. So they had to Understood. install the aircraft catapult. Yes. Which allows planes to take off from a shorter distance than normal. They're used almost exclusively on board aircraft carriers for assisted takeoff, although there have been a few cases of them being installed on land-based runways. <laughs> uh, we normally call those runways. runways. <laughs> for smaller airports that also support airstrikes. Yeah. Uh, you may have seen this in the Top Gun films franchise yeah yeah it's the thing the guy is scrambling to attach uh the plane to yeah and on it, the it, deck of the ship it just pulls. it's a hook that just pulls <laughs> yeah, it along like, it looks kind of uh like i know it's it's hydraulic and something there's like a lot that. of machinery happening under there but it looks kind of crazy that well, it is just like we're strapping a plane to, to a, a hook, catapult yeah, to a and hook. we're just going to drag it at extreme the, well, the bottom the, of the yeah. hook on the deck yep. below is attached to a Chevy Avalanche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of torque. Uh, tons of torque. A lot, uh, yeah, a lot of it. Um definitely won the JD Power. JD Power and Associates. And so, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Best you in class. Love, you love both. Best in class. <laughs> okay. That's we can't get talking about JD Power and Associates. No, no, we'll anyway, be here all day. Um so the catapult works by you have a long slot built lengthwise into the middle of the flight deck, uh, yep. and there's a big piston attached to the nose gear of the aircraft, which pulls it along the track, as we were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, on this ship, it was powered by steam, 
just by, uh, just yeah. like the boat's engine. Yeah, yeah. In addition to the catapult, the Alicula Bay also had two aircraft elevators that allowed them to move planes between decks quickly when preparing to launch them for strikes. Yes. Uh, this is also known as in the Top Gun series where people tell Tom Cruise that he's doing good. Yeah. And that he's a good guy that does things good. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Her draft was only 20 feet, 9 inches, about 4 feet deeper than an Olympic diving pool, which meant she could travel dangerously close to shores and coastlines. This gave them an advantage when carrying aircraft for onshore missions. Yeah. And I know, Patrick, you're asking yourself, you're saying, how many long tons standard does she displace? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell I'm you. I'm not sure how many. I'll tell you. Okay. Yeah. 8,188. Oof and 10,902 long tons fully loaded with aircraft. All the ships in this series were equipped with a Uniflow steam engine system. You know what that is, Patrick, but I'll explain it for our listeners. Thank you. Uh, This allowed steam to flow one direction through the hottest portion of the engine and exit out the coolest portion with no backflow. There you go. Naturally. This gave them the power to travel at 19 knots top speed. At moderate speed, or 15 knots, the ship could travel 10,240 nautical miles before needing to refuel, giving it an impressive range. That's a lot. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, pretty a, that's far. an awful lot, yeah. Especially for something of that size. Well, you want that you yeah. know, when you're in the Pacific Theater. Yes. Anyway, these ships were designed specifically for the Pacific Theater, and we I made a note here when we were going the script. You said Pacifically. Yeah, they were designed specifically for the Pacific Theater. Which was pretty fun. We had a good good. laugh about that, so I thought we should include it. This was so they could travel between islands and archipelagos that may not have had large ports for refueling or resupplying provisions. Yep. She was outfitted with one 38 caliber dual purpose gun for enemy ships. She was outfitted with one 44. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Strapped above the the helm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 138 caliber dual purpose gun for enemy ships and enemy planes. She also carried 16 40 millimeter anti aircraft guns along with 30 20 millimeter cannons used to take down enemy planes as yeah. well. Basically, a whole bunch of things to take down enemy planes. Yeah. I mean, it was a problem. <laughs> we got to do something about these planes. <laughs> the ship was equipped with a knife. It's <laughs> strapped to the front again. <laughs> like a hood ornament. So if it rammed a guy, that guy was in trouble. <laughs> no, 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 no. Planes and ships, not so much. But if you were a guy in the way of the ship, you were getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Pacific Theater saw the brief implementation of the ship bayonet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, this was an increase over the guns on carriers at the beginning of the war. Previously, ships like these had only been outfitted with up to 12 cannons for anti-aircraft support. However, the longer the war went on, the more U.S. carriers had been subjected to kamikaze attacks. Mm Mm-hmm. The decision was made to triple the anti-aircraft firepower in an attempt to destroy would-be kamikazes. That is a lot of firepower. That's a ton. I think. I mean, it sounds like a lot. Yeah. I mean, the world wars served to vastly uh, change the what we considered possible on a technological level. Yes. Like, you look at World War One, which basically started on horseback. And, yeah, yeah. And, and then ended with the decimation of Europe by shelling and tank warfare. Well, you go from, like... Yeah, essentially horse combat in 19... Yeah, the cavalry with swords. 12? When was World War I? Uh, when did 19, World War I I think end? we entered it in 1914. It went until okay. 1918. And then I we have armistice nukes at the end of World War II, which <laughs> yeah. was yeah, yeah, not it is a, that much... Not that much time. Yeah. Not that much time. Yeah, yeah. 
As the Casablanca carriers were being manufactured, the naming tradition for escort carriers named them after bays or sounds in Alaska, hence the Alicula Bay, which personally I think is a better name, but you know. I like them both. What does it matter? However, as the war continued in the Pacific and European theaters, a decision was made to start naming ships after successful naval or land engagements. Thus, the Alicula Bay was renamed the Bismarck Sea after the Battle of Bismarck Sea. This was definitely a, a top-down decision from the suits, uh, while fighting was already well underway. Yeah. Uh, you know what we could do? We could change our naming convention for the ships. So I'm sure the sailors uh, already deployed were very happy to hear about this. <laughs> I guess it's just like a morale I guess. Thing I don't something. know. But guess what, guys? It's time for a tangent. That's right. Oh, wait, but however, this tangent entirely takes place at sea and is cool. It's it's very cool, actually. So, so we we did, you know, we put our heads together and we said, do we need it in the script? And we felt it was relevant enough. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the Battle of Bismarck Sea and why it was successful enough to have a ship named after it. Mm -hmm. Since the attacks on Pearl Harbor, the U.S. had mounted a number of knives on the front of their ships. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Since the attacks on Pearl Harbor, the U.S. had mounted a number of offensives in the southwest. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about one handgun on the front of an aircraft carrier. Just a guy Velcroed to it. <laughs> Like a mermaid on a pirate ship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or one long string that goes to the bridge. Yeah. Anyway, since the attacks on Pearl Harbor, the U.S. had mounted a number of offensives in the Southwest Pacific area. The goal was simple. Take back as much as Japan had conquered. By capturing strategic ports and islands positioned to assist in airstrikes, the U.S. was disarming the Imperial Army one island at a time. Specifically, they had seized Midway Island, starring Tom Hanks, mm -hmm. and continued into the Solomon Islands with a goal of retaking the Philippines from Japanese rule. Yes. Japan, on the other hand, had some choices to make. Knowing they only had enough resources to defend against the U.S. in certain ports, they began to concede control of some islands. Mm -hmm. But they needed to hold on to Guadalcanal to have any hope of staying competitive in the Pacific theater. So, Japan pulled their forces back and convoyed towards Guadalcanal. The Allied, aware of the convoy, mobilized all carriers and flight crews in the area in advance of the attack. Cool. Knowing Japanese forces would be on the lookout, they utilized a new tactic that the Australian and British naval squadrons had been testing. This method was called skip bombing. It sounds insane. It is. Yeah. It is insane. But apparently but it, it works pretty well. Yeah, it's... Okay, so skip bombing... <laughs> requires the pilot to fly low and fast over the water while dropping a bomb in hopes that it would skip across the top of the water like a flat rock yep. and then detonate alongside a ship. I mean, yeah, if you're going fast enough, you can skip anything. A guy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you ever see someone fall off a jet ski and just bounce oh, yeah. four times? Oh, yeah. yeah. Fluid dynamics at work. Mm-hmm. This method was similar to mast height bombing, a technique that involved bombing just short of the ships, detonating alongside them, and sinking them quickly. Yeah, quick oh. way to blow a hole in the side of a ship. Drop it right next to it. Yeah. Both tactics were used in the Battle of Bismarck Sea, as bombers would often skip the first bomb along the water, then drop the second at mast height. So you just skip one towards it, then you pull up and drop it right next to the ship. Sounds terrifying to be a part of. <laughs> It really does. Uh, because mast height bombing put pilots in artillery range, Australian Army Major, get ready for this, mm -hmm. Paul Pappy Gunn cool. began installing machine guns into the noses of his squadron's bomber planes. So mm -hmm. not a handgun on the front, but 
Closer. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> this allowed bombers to lay down suppressing fire while flying within their drop range for the bomb. Ultimately, the Allies prevailed. Out of the 6,900 troops in the Japanese convoy, only about 1,200 made it to their destination. The battle is considered to be one of the events that turned the tide in the favor of the Allies in the Pacific Theater. So yeah, naming something after it would be... They should have called it you know, skip bombing. Had some power. Yeah, it did. After the victory, they did rush to name a new carrier after the battle, and thus the Alicula Bay became the Bismarck Sea. There you go. So, back to the topic at hand. The Bismarck Sea was launched in the spring of 1944 and commissioned on May 20th by the U.S. Navy with Captain John L. Pratt in command. The ship engaged in training exercises in San Pedro, San Diego, Pearl Harbor, and the Marshall Islands, as well as Majuro Atoll before being stationed in San Diego alongside her sister ship, the Saginaw Bay. We're not going to get into that battle. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> just the one. It's just <laughs> explaining the, the naming conventions of every single thing in the Which script. I assume this is not a battle, right? Mm -hmm. Saginaw Bay? It could be. I don't know. We don't know. This is where things start to get exciting. Buckle up, folks. Mm -hmm. And if you've uh, been driving and listening, you should Unbuckle. be buckled up the whole time. <laughs> Unbuckle. The Bismarck Sea received a combat air contingent along with additional crew. They were all then sent to the Caroline Islands to join Admiral Thomas C. Kincaid's fleet. On November 27th, the ship arrived in New Guinea for a month where they gathered forces in support of reconquering the Philippines in the invasion of Luzon. On January 5th, the ship sighted two Japanese destroyers, the Hinoki and Momi, and launched a strike group of fighters as well as torpedo bombers. The airstrike successfully sunk Momi and badly damaged Hinoki. Though the Hinoki escaped, it was sunk the next day in the bombing of the harbor. Oh. With the initial volley of the invasion complete, the Allies left the bulk of the fighting to Australian troops on the ground. They would continue to fight until the Japanese surrendered a year later in 1945. So with the Navy's presence in the Philippines reduced to air patrol, the US set their sights on a new goal, invading Iwo Jima. Yeah. You've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. The Bismarck Sea. It's a big one. It's, it's notable. Yeah. The Bismarck Sea, along with a number, it makes Bismarck Sea's battle look like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the Bismarck Sea, along with a number of sister ships, departed Lithi on February 10th to support the landings off the coast of Iwo Jima. From February 16th to the 19th, the Bismarck Sea conducted anti-submarine patrols and anti-aircraft patrols, as well as supporting the first wave of troops into Iwo Jima on the 19th. Nearly all air support during the invasion originated from these carriers. Okay. On the 16th of February, Japanese Vice Admiral Kimpei Teruaka created a specialized kamikaze attack unit in anticipation of the Allied Navy's arrival in Iwo Jima. By the 21st, they had departed from Katori Naval Air Base in Chiba en route to the U.S. Navy's carriers on the coast of Iwo Jima right around sunset. I know, you know, technically, mm -hmm. a bomb being dropped on you and a plane crashing into you, you know, it's going to probably have about the same result. I mean, for you personally? Much scarier. That to there's have a, a plane? guy just flying on a suicide mission into oh, your ship. Oh, you're just talking about the concept of kamikaze. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's haunting, definitely. Right. And I I would have to think a lot louder. Like a bomb is, right? Is it propelled or is it driven by gravity mostly? Uh Oh, a bomb? Yeah, I think a bomb is largely gravity-based. You just hear... 
years. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But a, but a plane? Yeah, it's coming in hot. It's coming in real hot. <laughs> At this time, the Bismarck Sea was providing air support alongside sister carriers, Macon Island, Lunga Point, Saginaw Bay, Rudyard Bay, and Anzio. Uh, we're going to get into all those. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Eventually. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Bolstered by a small group of destroyers. At 5.30 that evening, coincidentally, right around sunset, just around sunset, the aircraft on the Bismarck Sea were scrambled to deal with what they believed were enemy planes. Oh, yeah. And you're this listening is, to Ship It's yeah. the Fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, these planes would prove to be friendly, but mm-hmm. flying in the wrong formation and the wrong airspace from one of the other carriers. Yeah. Um, no big deal. No harm, no foul. Except wow. this did distract them from the actual enemy planes swiftly approaching. Oh, no. The planes quickly returned to the carrier, blushing, along mm-hmm. with some of the additional confused friendly planes. <laughs> This led to the Bismarck being overloaded with three additional aircraft. Yep. Due to limited deck space, they moved four planes down into the hangar deck, but did not empty their fuel tanks. Yeah. Yeah, this comes back. Yeah. (laughs) Usually does. Now with 37 aircraft on board and only an hour after scrambling the jets, the task group on board spotted the Japanese planes headed their way. The gunners on the ship successfully shot one down. However, five were able to dive towards the Lunga Point, which was uh, one of the sister ships uh, aforementioned. Mm-hmm. Though four of the five kamikazes missed their torpedo target, the fifth pilot diverted off course and proceeded towards the Bismarck Sea. The ship's gunners damaged the plane badly. However, they were unable to shoot the craft down into the water. Because of this, the plane crashed directly into the aft of the boat, right below the gunners, crashing through the hangar deck and directly into the ship's ammunition magazines. Oh my god. Causing an explosion below decks. Oh. Oops. Yeah, if there's one place you don't want to crash. <laughs> so just inching towards I guess fuel it. reserves might also be a bad place Most to crash. places I don't yeah. want to crash. Yeah, yeah. The crash severed the cables controlling one of the aircraft elevators while it was in operation, causing it to plummet to the hangar deck. The fall of the elevator and the sudden drop of the plane inside it caused, you guessed it, an additional explosion. Oh, God. So things are bad. The explosions caused a fire, and they also pushed the ship steering slightly off course. Okay. The crew was able to get the bulk of the fire under control. However, just as they put the last of the fire out, another plane approached from the port side of the ship. Port left four letters. Yes, thanks. It's believed that the second plane was attracted to the glow of the first plane crash, like a moth, Mm -hmm. as it was night and many of the carriers were sailing without lights to avoid attacks. Do you remember the episode where the subs and the... Like the whole convoy kept stopping and crashing into each other. Oh, that where it becomes just a pile up. Yes, of, in the of middle of the English Channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they were just ping ponging off each other. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Not unlike this, I guess. Some some similar they didn't some crash, parallels. But I mean, yeah, yeah lights yeah. off. Yeah. Approaching from the port side left, the second plane also crashed through the side of the ship, this time completely damaging the aft side aircraft elevator. God. The plane exploded on impact, killing the entire team that was fighting the last of the fire from the first crash. Whoa. You would think they knew, like they were aiming for the firefighters inside the plane. The second plane's explosion detonated the gas tanks. Oh, like I yeah. mentioned earlier. That's the right. other the worst place to hit. Yeah, yeah. Four fighters stored in the hangar deck, and that fire quickly enveloped the aft side of the ship. Okay. 
And if that wasn't bad enough, which it is. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Scattered munitions from the first explosion began to detonate from the heat of the blast. Mm -hmm. With no functioning firefighting or sprinkler equipment and no operational elevators to quickly reach the blaze, the crew began to abandon ship only 15 minutes after the first explosion. I mean, yeah, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Yeah, yeah. As they made their way to the lifeboats, another blast rocked the ship and destroyed the aft end, causing the vessel to list starboard. Within 30 minutes, the majority of the crew made it off the ship safely, which is awesome. That yeah. doesn't happen a yeah. lot. Well, hang on. So, <laughs> soon after the ship was abandoned, the Bismarck Sea's island detached from the hull and slid into the ocean. Yeah. An island? Isn't that land? Eyes is island. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd be right. Yeah. Uh, but you're also wrong. Okay. Yeah, the island on an aircraft carrier is the command center that sits on top of the deck. You may remember it as where they hung the massive Mission Accomplished banner behind President George W. Uh-huh. Bush when he accomplished his mission. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which, when we were he finished look, it. He did it. We were looking into this. We were Googling, what mission did he accomplish? <laughs> <laughs> accomplish? Um, uh, so, yeah, one of, some of the greatest you hits know, of the island. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you know but that's the island. The island is the, is the big the building on the ship. On, on yeah. top of the ship, yeah. It took the Bismarck Sea another two hours to fully sink, and while most of the crew had escaped into the water, the Japanese took advantage of the confusion. Yeah, this is terrifying. Yeah, I forgot about this part when I said awesome. Yeah. I mean, still nice to, you know, get Get in the water, but... It's refreshing, probably. Anyway, planes uh, strafed the water, shooting at survivors. The cold water, choppy seas, and enemy aircraft claimed dozens of lives. Within the next 12 hours, three of the destroyers in the squadron had rescued 605 crew members of the original 923. I mean, that's pretty good, all things considered. That, yeah, it's a, it's a majority. Yeah. Remember, they were still being attacked from the air and sea while this rescue was underway. Sounds stressful. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> One of the destroyers, Edmonds, sent 30 of its own men overboard for the rescue and is credited with saving 378 men. Damn. The Lawrence C. Taylor retrieved an additional 136 men, with the rest scattered among the smaller destroyers. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's Especially considering you're being actively attacked at by night. By planes at yes. night while doing this. Yeah. All in all, 31 fully functional planes went down with the ship, and the total loss was closer to 40 planes. Mm-hmm. Approximately $2 million at the time, not to mention the $6.5 million cost of the carrier itself. That sounds so cheap. Well, this was the 1940s. No, I know, but like... These days, yeah, the idea of a $6.5 million aircraft carrier. Yeah, I'm... I'm, uh, You know what? There's maybe a path towards making that work. How much does an aircraft carrier cost? It is $13 billion. Okay, still much more than the cost then adjusted for inflation today. Way beyond. It's a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) The the, the number we mentioned, the cost of the planes going down and the cost of the carrier adjusted for inflation is about in the ballpark of $150 million today. Uh, Yeah. Not counting the damage to the Lunga Point. Slightly which, less than $13 billion. That's right, yeah. which is also what Amazon paid for Whole Foods. Oh. So you got to wonder, why didn't they buy an aircraft carrier instead? Yeah, that's priorities. I know, right? 
Jeff. That's bizarre. Get yourself okay. a mobile well, command station. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> when the dust settled and the sun rose, sorry, I just want to say real quick, I, I heard once that when Jeff Bezos announced his uh, ambitious plan for Prime to fellow executives of Amazon way back in the uh, aughts, mm-hmm. he did it in his massive houseboat that had inside it a port for another smaller boat. Good. So... <laughs> It's boat stuff. Don't worry. They know how it's to spend their stuff. money. It's just boat stuff. Anyway, when the dust settled and the sun rose, the Bismarck Sea was the only ship sunk that night. In fact, it was the last U.S. aircraft carrier lost due to enemy action. Wow. Wow, that's $13 billion. It buys you a hardy ship. Yeah. Well, no, $6.5. <laughs> oh. What? $6.5 million. No, these days. Oh, these days? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're not going down. But also, I don't think we engage in a ton of naval full-scale naval warfare anymore the way we were in world war ii that's a good point you yeah, get back at it yeah i mean it would be really good for start us start some conflicts <laughs> I mean, if be. we could if we could pull on the levers uh, uh, oh. uh that control the you know what happens in this world just a little naval bit more combat naked, and yeah yeah everyone lives yeah well we'd abolish plane travel entirely because then more people are traveling by sea Ocean what liners, happens by yeah. when more people travel by sea more disasters at sea right but again Everyone lives. Well, yeah. I mean, we can't. We'll talk. We about can't it. control everything. We can, we'll talk yeah. about it. Okay. okay. Everyone survives. All right, all right. Anyway, that's the Bismarck Sea. Whew, there we go. We haven't. I, I like the war ones. The war ones are are pretty uh, pretty cool. We've had a couple this season. Yeah. The Ohio and now the Bismarck Sea and Indianapolis, right? And the Indianapolis was last season. Was that's it? how we ended? Oh, okay. It, it was a two parter. Yeah. But yeah, some some really fascinating stories coming out of. World War Two. <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? thought? Who'd have thought? Um, I, I I would like to one day maybe if we could talk in more detail about the guy on the island by himself. Oh yeah, <laughs> World War Two well into the twentieth uh, century. Yep. Anyway, well, I mean, the twentieth century is when World War Two happened. Well into it though. I mean, it was already pretty. It was already halfway over. Okay, when, more almost it. when World okay, War Two towards the twenty first century. Okay, that Obviously makes, that makes a little like more sense. Much further yeah, yeah. in. That makes more sense. I should maybe apologize to the audience. You think if I you should think apologize? It's appropriate. If you think it's appropriate. I don't think it's... It's appropriate. Listen, you I would should. do, listen, I would do, do anything for the audience. <laughs> okay. I don't know that you owe them that much, but... <laughs> oh, okay. So now I... Just have a little self-respect. You're in, you're in a little self-respect a for little, yourself, I have I tons yeah. of self-respect. Yeah, yeah. No fog tonight, folks. That was clear. That was a foghorn. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. I interrupted you before. Well, lesson not learned. I feel like an apology is owed to me, but we can talk about it later. Yeah. Right when we talk about about how no one's ever gonna die in a forget about it. Forget it. Forget about it. Hey, listen. Uh huh. Have you ever seen someone on the road driving a car? Toss a, the la, the rest the last of their cigarette out the window like onto the butt. road like a butt yeah yeah of course and and, and you get mad you it's, get mad it's it littering it's littering it's and it's it's chemically very bad mm. uh, so imagine this act but instead of the road it's the Atlantic Ocean okay and instead of a butt it's a thirty four thousand ton Brazilian aircraft carrier <laughs> okay <laughs> so would that thing cost twelve um, bill. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I, t- I don't know. It's actually like about 
it, it's a little bit more recent than World War II. It's a, it was a 60-year-old okay. aircraft carrier. Anyway, in 2021... At the time of recording, it was 60 years old. <laughs> yes, okay. that's right. Yeah, When you're listening to this years Understood. in the future, right. Understood. In 2021, Brazil's only aircraft carrier, the Sao Paulo, was sold for scrap to a Turkish shipyard. Mm-hmm. The ship set off in August of 2022, only to be refused entry in what? transit because Brazil had not been able to reasonably prove that the ship did not contain asbestos. Uh, <laughs> okay. Be- being 60 years old, the possibility of toxic materials is uh, significant. Everything was made with asbestos. Everything. Until like the... 80s maybe yeah at time of recording the 80s at the time of forget the time <laughs> i actually don't know i know but for a long time for a very very long time everything was made with asbestos yes which um a lot of lead it, too it, a lot of lead yeah. it's still in our in our water which and look is, the asbestos if it hasn't been disturbed yeah it's fine the it's problem is when the particles problems. get in the air exactly yeah and when you live somewhere like southern california and the nonce the earthquakes constantly constantly there's no way to not upset and when the, the santa ana winds pick it up and they're taking it all across the state. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, the ship was turned around, uh, you know, in its journey to yeah. return to its port of origin in Brazil. And Brazil said, no, we yep. don't want it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they blocked the ship from entering on the grounds that they did not want the ship abandoned in the port. Right, yeah. Abandoned ships, especially of this size, tend to become an albatross. It's a seabird. Yes. For yes. anyone involved. They pose environmental hazards and are tremendously costly to store, dismantle, or in very rare cases, renovate. Yeah. They, for I mean, it's a dime a dozen every hotel and casino plan for an abandoned ocean liner or aircraft They carrier. never quite it, seem to pan out. Yeah. No, it, it really doesn't because people don't seem to want it. I mean, I think even just like owning a sailboat is wildly expensive. Yeah. Because you're dealing with something. It's sitting in water all the time. Like, it just degrades yeah constantly depreciating and and at the will of um all number of environmental uh you know i mean forget forces. about zebra mussels forget Just about the, it. the the i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> free small <laughs> cycle i don't know <laughs> but anyway um so this seems like a bit of a pickle actually that's what they call it in baseball when a when a runner is stuck between two bases okay the pickle okay uh, but don't worry Brazil has found a rather clever solution to this predicament oh, uh, they pushed the massive aircraft carrier out into international waters and wiped their hands of it awesome this is perfect <laughs> just pushed it out there but that is only a temporary solution at best right yeah well yes I mean, it's going to show up somewhere, right? Well, don't worry. Brazilian authorities have a fix for that, too. Uh, They decided to sink the ship in the middle of the ocean with explosives. Okay, and that's... You can do that? (laughs) Well, if you're asking, uh, you know, environmentally conscious uh, powers around the globe, you shouldn't. Sure. You shouldn't. Remember, this entire saga began when concerns of toxic materials arose. Right. Uh, In addition to the asbestos, this old vessel contains, quote, hundreds of metric tons of other toxic substances in its electrical wiring, paints, and fuel stores, as according to the Basal Action Network. Oh, good. It was still fueled up. Yeah. Okay, good. I mean, you're never going to get it all out. No, no. 
Experts in and outside of Brazil argued that this action would pose a massive environmental risk and should be avoided at all costs. Okay. Abandoned vessels is a significant issue, uh, plaguing bodies of water all over the world from the smallest boats surrounding Venice, Italy, which we've discussed on the show, which people just leave them out there, yeah. uh, to the thousands of cargo ships wrecked all around Nigeria. Uh-huh. Brazil itself is already home to hundreds of cargo ships and oil tankers all rotting in the relative vicinity of the country. Ooh. Fortunately, those responsible for the plan thought long and hard about their options before ultimately sticking to their guns and sinking the giant ship 217 miles off the Brazilian coast, spreading literal tons of paint, mercury, lead, oil, and yes, asbestos into the water. Good job. (laughs) Way to go, guys. Now, when I saw this story and I showed it to Patrick, they had not yet sunk it. Yeah, they no, were, it, was it was just, they were still uh, figuring yeah, it out. Environmentalists appalled Brazil plans to sink massive toxic aircraft carrier yep. in the ocean. And they've done it. <laughs> and, and then on the fe- on February 4th, it was reported that they did begin the process and exploded part of the ship. Wonderful. But they did it 217 miles out so they wouldn't disturb their own fishing waters. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> because if there's one thing that we know about the ocean, it's that currents don't carry substances all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord just like you know great job to everybody involved in this process yeah. <laughs> we don't want it <laughs> Brazil's like we don't want it <laughs> well I just take it 217 miles out the shore and blow it up see if anyone notices <laughs> the, the, the fact that they were like I mean we're gonna do it this is like all jokingly some you know when someone's like guy I gotta get rid of a couch or whatever I always tell them just put it in the middle of the road yeah cause then they have to pick it up what are yeah. they gonna leave it in the street they can't Right. But this is the real equivalent of that. This is someone actually doing that, taking that advice. This is someone, not only did they put it in the middle of the road, but it's rigged with plastic explosives. Yeah, and and, and toxic chemicals. And also the road is well trafficked by local uh, wildlife. Yes. (laughs) Just just like so far out. Yeah. (laughs) One ship destroyed in a valiant effort to, to defeat... Uh, the Axis powers and the other one because it was trash. Because it was annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's our show. (laughs) I'm Patrick. Uh, I'm Charlotte. The show's written by Paige Wesley. The art is by Stevie Jude and it is edited by Kelly Reynolds. Uh, Follow us at Ship Hits Pod. Oh, yeah. Um, Keep rocking in the free world. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Okay, yeah, bones bleaching. Yes. (laughs) 